0: My name is Erin Macri. I am a member of the BJSM editorial team, and it is my pleasure today to introduce to you Professor Carolyn Emery. Professor Emery is a physiotherapist and epidemiologist who works in the Faculty of Kinesiology at the University of Calgary and also holds joint appointments in Pediatrics and Community Health Sciences Cumming School of Medicine. She's also the chair of the Sport Injury Prevention Research Center. Welcome. Thank you. So Professor Emery, your research has been heavily focused on injury prevention in youth, broadly speaking. And today I want to focus a little bit more on the work that you've done in concussion, specifically in youth sport. Recent editorial was published about two weeks ago in Gemma Pediatrics entitled, "Are Rule Changes the Low-Hanging Fruit for Concussion Prevention in Youth Sport. And since that editorial was focused on ice hockey, or hockey as you and I would call it in Canada. (laughs) Um, Let's just start there. What is it about ice hockey specifically that confers risk for concussion in youth? Well, I think that
1: uh, what we've learned through uh, about a 10-year research program in youth ice hockey is uh, certainly um, it's it's one of the uh, high-burden sports uh, for concussion in kids. And um, clearly, being a collision sport with uh, body checking at many levels of play and many age groups, um, we know that uh, body checking rules, certainly within a league, increase the risk of concussion and certainly are also a target for uh, prevention considerations. The younger younger age group of Pee Wee, which is where our, our research focus originated,
0: and then uh, probably at older age groups as well. So as far as injury prevention, Can we maybe, I know we're talking today specifically about body checking and rules in the sport, but can you maybe provide the listener who hasn't got a lot of experience in injury prevention with a framework as to what all the different options are that we could consider when looking at injury prevention?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, most of my research has been focused on youth sport, and certainly uh, when we look at targets for prevention, arguably based on the Berlin consensus and and the systematic review meta-analysis that we did there, Arguably there's three targets for prevention. Uh, The first would be around policy or rules of the game. The second would be related to equipment such as helmet fit, mouth guards, for example. And the third would be related to training strategies. So those training strategies may be individual, such as neuromuscular training uh, strategies, as we more commonly think about for lower extremity injury prevention, but also training strategies related to to collision and or uh, techniques in in the context of ice hockey, uh, technique for body checking in the context of American football, uh, for example, and rugby techniques for, for tackling. So those would be the three three areas
0: rules uh, as well as equipment and then thirdly
1: training strategies and
0: what led you to hone in specifically on rules around body checking in hockey well,
1: I think from a personal perspective, I was a physiotherapist working in a sport medicine center, very focused on on youth sport injury, and certainly saw the huge epidemic that we had in the context of youth ice hockey and concussions. I'm also a hockey player, a former hockey player, as well as I coached both of my children in, in youth ice hockey, so I was familiar with the game from different perspectives, Early on, uh, we saw that uh, the risk of concussion in those young, young players in peewee, 11 and 12 year olds, where body checking was initially introduced uh, before 2013 across all provinces except for Quebec, uh, we saw that uh, the concussion risk and concussion rates were not dissimilar from what we were seeing in varsity ice hockey as well as the National Hockey League. Um, so this was a huge concern. And that's where certainly over a period of time we developed very strong relationships with our local hockey associations as well as Hockey Canada. It's been very supportive and, uh, and really wanted to have evidence supporting their decisions uh, related to policy when it came to body checking.
0: And as far as uh, the age of people playing at the peewee level, is it, is it simply like the reason why the risk was as high as it is at other levels, would you say that's just surely the number of collisions that happen or is it sort of motor neuron development, is it training skills, what What do you think the reasons underlying that might be? Certainly you've got kids now on the ice uh, at
1: age 11 and 12 making decisions uh, with respect to full contact. And those are kids that are also having, you know, they're, they're, they're faced with decisions every day, but not with respect to others' safety. And uh, I would argue, from a neurodevelopmental perspective, perhaps uh, their decision making around uh, body checking and safe body checking may not be there. I think that you've got kids, obviously, that are 11 and 12 who are still developing all the other skills that they need uh, for this game of ice hockey. And, uh, and, and certainly, um, it's it's very important um, to to consider th- the development of of the skill of the game, and I think thirdly, certainly we're learning more uh, about about growth and development with respect to with respect to the brain and and certainly motor control. And I think that uh, that that certainly is evolving very quickly over this age group. I don't think that it's not a risk in 13, 14 year olds as well as 15 to 17 year olds, the Bantam and the midget players. And uh, as you probably know some of the work we've done in, in Peewee informed changes locally and provincially uh, such that non-elite levels of play in both Bantam and midget, so these are now kids 13 to 17 are no longer body checking and we've had the opportunity now to evaluate um, that change. You did mention the development of the skill of body checking, and certainly there's, uh, there's the consideration of experience with body checking. And to date, uh, we've been able to show uh, in our Bantam cohort studies across provinces in Alberta and Quebec that actually body checking experience uh, was not protective of concussion risk in the older age groups, 13 to 14-year-olds. We've had an opportunity to follow kids now for five years in our uh, Canada Institutes of Health Research Safe to Play study, where we'll be evaluating uh, the various dimensions of experience, because of course, some kids now are introduced at different times. And then with the change in rules, it was taken away for a year. So we'll be able to look at very clearly experience body checking and risk of concussion across multiple age groups going forward, which will be uh, really important data.
0: So what would you say from your experience, what kind of barriers have made implementation of the no body checking rules challenging?
1: Well, I think what was very clear early on is that researchers uh, and research groups are not going to make the changes, they're not the decision makers. And that's where integrated knowledge translation is so critical. Having that Paul Carson from Hockey Canada at the table, he's responsible for development in, uh, in Hockey Canada, having the individuals from the local hockey associations being involved, they need to um, really champion any kind of change that's going to happen. And I think that where they have um, they really early in the piece understood that uh, the evidence was important in this decision. And not just anecdotes, not just the the political pressures they had to not change the game of of ice hockey, and they started to see actually that um, you know kids that were in in bantam, thirteen to fourteen year olds, many had already experienced uh, more than two or three concussions, and and so they're starting to deal with the survivors in the game already at age 13 and 14. And I think that, um, you know, it's very important uh, for Hockey Canada uh, to to see their numbers growing and to see higher participation rates. It's, a, it's the best uh, best sport in the world, of course. Yeah, uh, of course. And <laughs> so, uh, so we want to do what we can to protect kids so they can have a lifelong experience uh, playing playing ice hockey. Uh, I think you also have the, per- the, the pressures of of parents who believe their child is going to be the one that's on the, um, the NIHL uh, team down the road and um, in that uh, they're not going to have an opportunity to get there unless they start to develop these skills very early on. There's lots of ways that we can develop these skills and training and practices and we've all watched uh, the women's game, a very physical game. The first three stages of body checking are there in the game and uh and they just don't finish the finish the check and i think that uh that we need to consider that when we're training that skill just like we're training other skills in young players uh so that the ones that do go on to a league that allows body checking that they have developed that skill in the context of of training
0: so based on your lessons learned in ice hockey where do you see the field moving as far as uh rule changes or or research in uh, in other sports Well, I think we've certainly uh,
1: had a lot of attention with the rule change that we saw um, first in 2011 in USA Hockey and then 2013 in Hockey Canada uh, to delay body checking to age 13. And and I think that uh, really that attention was related to the fact that we were really saving close to 5,000 concussions a year in 11 and 12 year olds. And that's why I use the term low hanging fruit. I think that uh, from the rules, rule change perspective, there's probably, Similar things that we should be considering across uh, other sports, for example, in uh, in particularly collision sports and in rugby, a lot of attention right now in in world rugby and uh, rugby Canada with respect to the level of the tackle and and the tackle training aspects. And so there may be some some things there um, that we'll we'll be evaluating over the next couple of years. Also, if we think about American football, for example. Certainly uh, what's happened there is uh, reducing uh, contact practices and uh, we've seen a significant reduction in concussions and practices Uh, has not yet translated to a significant reduction in games but I think that uh, it's certainly a start and I think there's certainly room for um, considering rules in other collision sports as well.
0: So many of our listeners are clinicians and aren't necessarily going to be involved at the policy change level. And I just wonder if you can comment on, as clinicians, what role we might have in this arena. I think traditionally we think of clinicians as working at the individual risk level in terms of pre-participation evaluations and preparing people, maybe developing their skills. How might a clinician be able to help participate in, in moving forward, changing the culture? What
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And certainly uh, as a physiotherapist, and I think many clinicians out there would agree with me, we'd actually rather not see these kids in the clinic. Um, And uh, and if they're in the clinic, they're typically there because they've had a concussion. And I think we have a huge opportunity in primary prevention and through seeing kids who are perhaps at risk because they've had a previous concussion. There may be certainly some things we can do from a a sensory motor, um, neuromuscular training perspective. We know, for example, the neuromuscular training programs uh, that have been protective of lower extremity injury Uh, a couple of different studies have shown them to be protective of concussion as well particularly uh, citing one from uh, Keith Stokes group in Bath uh, UK and in in youth rugby and I think that we have an opportunity uh, to be advocates for primary prevention at a group level across all three targets actually, um, as well as a significant responsibility uh, with respect to preventing concussion recurrence. So in in youth, 30 to 40% of kids uh, that have a concussion in sport have had a previous concussion and we know those kids are at a higher risk of concussion, whether they're predisposed or whether it's related to that first concussion. We're sorting that out, but I think that uh, there's certainly um, some things that we can do at an individual level to uh, prevent recurrence of concussion, and, and if we can move that upstream to primary prevention strategies, and we're doing a lot of evaluation in that regard, um, moving some of our rehabilitation strategies forward, I think there's a huge role we can play. I think on the uh from a different perspective as well that uh we need to be out there in the community involved with our communities where concussion is high risk and making sure that uh, there's opportunities for education around appropriate management and appropriate return to play, return to school. Uh, We've just developed the MOOC, which you may have heard about, the Massive Open Online Course uh, in Concussion, and Catherine Schneider has led that out of the University of Calgary. Uh, Our first um, delivery of that MOOC is going to be in April, and I think we already have over 4,000 individuals signed up for that. And, uh, and I think that's an example of, uh, of, of people really um, wanting that information um, and wanting to do the right thing at a community level, sport level, but also a lot of those individuals are clinicians. And I think we need to ensure that we are well educated, um, that uh, we do... Uh, We are aware of international consensus guidelines as well as, so like Berlin, for example. uh, But also uh, we have Canadian consensus guideline, as do other countries and other, uh, other uh, healthcare professional bodies. So really important to uh,
0: to stay up with the latest evidence. Fantastic. We can put the maybe the link to the MOOC on the page when we upload the. Fantastic idea. Yeah, that would be great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Professor Emery. And thanks to you, the listeners of BGSM Podcast, for joining us. We hope you have a physically active day.